Hi, everyone. You are now listening to BCC Sermons. Thanks for tuning in. So Moses led God's people out of slavery, and their goal was to make it to the land that God had promised them. If you've heard this story before, you know that it's called the promised land. Moses didn't make it all the way to be able to see the promised land. He actually just got to look at it before everyone else ended up crossing over under the leadership of Joshua. So Moses didn't make it all the way, and he died. But before they got there, God had a man ready to go. That he had, uh, Moses had been mentoring for quite some time, and as we know, this man's name was Joshua. And God called Joshua to lead the people the rest of the way. And as we've been in this two or more series talking about these various mentoring pairs throughout the scripture, I think that the story of Moses and Joshua is so important for us to understand this principle that sometimes and most of the time investing forward means that you and I don't always get to see the fruit or the result of our investment. We don't always get to see the whole thing. And that's hard for us, man, because we want to, right? Like I remember being a kid and planting like the little seeds. Did you ever do that like in kindergarten or first grade where you had like the little solo cup and you planted the seed and the teacher would put it on the window and you'd have to like water it and you're like, okay, we did that. Where's the plant? You know, you're like, where's it at? I, I expect that to happen. It just takes time for that thing to grow as we nurture it. And we understand this process that God has all of us in. And as we invest, man, we want to see that fruit. We want to see that end result. And honestly, sometimes we just get a glimpse of, glimpse of it from a distance. Sometimes we don't get to see the whole thing. And that's where we have to understand that it's not about us and what we're called to do is bigger than what you and I personally get to experience or what we get to see. And that is so true in the life of Moses and Joshua. So let's go through this story today. And we're going to kind of jump around throughout this story in the Old Testament. So let's go ahead and start off in Exodus chapter 17. We're going to read a few scriptures here, Exodus 17. And as you're turning, just a reminder, you can always follow along on version. If you have that app on your phone, you can go to, uh, on the menu, go to the live events, and you can turn on your, your, your location, and you'll be able to see BCC, and just click on that and follow along. Exodus 17 and verse 9. We're going to read through verse 14. This is the first mention in scripture of this man named Joshua. Verse 9, so Moses said to Joshua, choose for us men and go out and fight with Amalek. Tomorrow I will stand on the top of the hill with the staff of God in my hand. So Joshua did as Moses told him and fought with Amalek, while Moses, Aaron, and Hur went to the top of the hill. Whenever Moses held up his hand, Israel prevailed. Whenever he lowered his hand, Amalek prevailed. But Moses' hands grew weary, so they took a stone and put it under him, and he sat on it, while Aaron and Hur held up his hands, one on one side and one on the other side. So his hands were steady until the going down of the sun, and Joshua overwhelmed Amalek and his people with the sword. Then the Lord said to Moses, Write this as a memorial in a book and recite it in the ears of Joshua, that I will utterly blot out the memory of Amalek from under heaven. I... There's so much packed in in these few things. First of all, you think that you're lifting your hands for a long time in praise and worship at church on Sunday morning. 
I mean, Moses, the entire time that he had his hands up, the people of God were winning the victory over Amalek and his people. But when his hands would lower, all of a sudden Amalek would begin to win. And so what happened was you saw Aaron and Hur said, we're going to actually put a rock for Moses to sit on and we're going to help him and we're going to hold up his hands. And the whole time Joshua is in this battle as, as they're winning this victory in the name of the Lord. And then it's so interesting to see what happens at the end. And man, it just gets me fired up and stirred up when I read verse 14 because of what God says to Moses that needs to happen now in the life of Joshua. He says, Moses, he said, write this down. Write this moment down. Like, record this moment. This is a significant moment in your life, in the life of my people, and in the life of Joshua. He's saying, write this down. And then he says, recite it in the ears of Joshua. Like, remind Joshua about this. I want you to whisper this in this young man's ear. I want you to constantly remind him how God gave him the victory. I want you to constantly remind him of how faithful God is and how, if we, you trust in me, that I'm going to do these things for you. Because there's going to be a long road ahead. Joshua had no idea what was coming next. He had no idea what God was going to lead all the people through. So Moses needed to make sure to remind Joshua of how good God was in this moment and how he was worthy to be trusted. Moses trusted Joshua in this moment by giving him the opportunity, but he also was behind the scenes and he was doing things Joshua had no idea about. Don't you see this beautiful picture in this mentoring relationship? Don't you see the principle here just kind of just, just coming right through and hitting us? That there's things that we're doing behind the scenes as we're investing in other people that those we're investing in will never know about. I mean, don't we always say things like this to our kids? Well, when you're a parent, you'll understand, right? And kids love hearing that. It's like their favorite thing for parents to say. But it's true. E even the fact of getting a job. My son has recently gotten a job, and he's gotten a pretty tough job. And I'm like super proud of my son for getting this job because his first job, he's working out at Hodge in East Moline in a warehouse. And I'm like, man, that's like man stuff right there. Like my first job was like, I was sacking groceries in a grocery store, but my boy's like moving tractor parts, you know, like in, 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 a, in a warehouse with grown people. And I mean, it's just, I've watched him grow up so much through this. And it's funny because his first day of work, when he, when I, the first day I picked him up, course he gets in the car and I said how did it go Josiah and he says I understand a lot now dad that I didn't understand before I know how you and mom feel and I know what you mean when you come home from work and you just don't want to do anything else I understand that now I mean this dude he's working like eight hour days and like he, he's no joke so like I'm super proud of him but he understands now because there's things that that you're doing behind the scenes that are providing opportunities for people that they don't fully appreciate. And it's not the reason that you're doing it is so they will appreciate it. Because if that's your reason for doing it, you're going to miss the purpose of why you're doing what you're doing. I'm not doing what I'm doing so you will appreciate me because it's bigger than me. No, I'm doing this for you because I'm wanting to lay a foundation and set you up to take what we're doing further, right? 
And that's what was happening here in the background. You've got Moses who for hours probably, no no telling how long this battle went on, but his hands had to stay elevated. And he even had to have other people come beside him and around him to make sure that his hands remained elevated during this battle. While he's back and Joshua has no idea what sacrifices are being made so that he can be victorious. He has no idea. And so God says, Moses... You need to let Joshua know that this victory was because of me. And you need to remind him of this day. You need to remind him of this victory. And you need to constantly be whispering this in this young man's ear. Folks, we need to be whispering in the ears of the next generation the faithfulness of God and telling them the stories of how God was involved in things they didn't realize God was involved in. We have a different perspective when we're ahead of the person that perhaps God has put us with, whether it may be our, our children, our spouse, whether it would be a friend, a coworker, someone God has put us in an intentional mentoring relationship with, whatever the case may be, someone in your, in your, uh, in your small group, someone that you're just connected with, that God has brought in your path, whatever the case may be, we have to recognize that when we have been walking with the Lord for some time, we can see things from a different perspective, a different lens, and we can see God moving in their life in a way that maybe they're not seeing God move in their lives. And what Moses is instructed to do here by God is to show Joshua where God's moving, where he may not see it. And so it's our job to help the next generation and those that we're pouring into to see where God is actively at work in their life, to show them those moments and say, hey, you know that thing that you just thought was just normal? You know that thing that you just thought was just a cool story to share? You know that thing that just happened? Let me show you how that was actually God. Let me tell you how that was actually God. Let me whisper that in your ear. Let me remind you of how God has moved in your life and how I've seen you grow in trusting God and how God has shown himself faithful. Because maybe they just thought it was a normal part of the rhythm. Maybe thought it was just something else happening, but they didn't realize, no, 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 that's actually God working on your behalf. Because effective mentors do not seek glory for their investment in others. It's not about us getting the accolades. It's not about us getting the pat on the back. It's not about the one who's investing in even being elevated and recognized. And oh, I want to thank all the people in my life. And it makes us feel warm and fuzzy inside. If we think that the goal is for us eventually just to be recognized and to win some type of lifetime achievement award, man, we're in this for the wrong thing. Because the glory doesn't go to us, it goes to God. Amen? The glory does not go to us. And so listen, you may get some precious moments of recognition by the people that God has called you to invest in and God has given you the opportunity to invest in. You may get some of those special moments where you get a note card or someone says something about you or you get invited to speak at someone's wedding or someone's you know, graduation or whatever the case may be. Great, if you get that, awesome, but don't seek that. Don't pursue that. That's not what we're in this for. That's not the thing that we're chasing after. Because if you're chasing after it, you're not making it about the glory of God. You're making it about your own pursuit of how people view you. And you want to be elevated because of what you're doing. And you'll be doing it for the wrong reason. So I'm giving you this so that way we can evaluate and take a, a pulse check, a temperature check on our motive and on our intent and on our heart. Because it's not for us. It's not about us. If somebody pats us on the back, great. But that's not why we're in this, right, church? See, God said, Moses, recite this victory over and over again. Tell Joshua, 
Tell him how faithful God was. Remind him to trust in God. Remind him about God's faithfulness, not about Moses' agony, right? (laughs) And how sore, Joshua, you know how sore my shoulders were the next day? (laughs) I hope you appreciate me lifting my hands up and everything. And I appreciate, while I'm at it, I hope you appreciate her and Aaron. Because those two guys, they held me up, and they've got back problems, okay? You know, and you need to realize the sacrifices that have been made for you. And that's not what God was saying. God was wanting Joshua to be reminded of the faithfulness of God, how God gave him the victory, because there were going to be many more battles that Joshua would face. There were going to be many more trials, many more challenges, many more obstacles that would require a reliance on the the hand of God moving, because there would be no other way. One of Joshua's very first tasks when he started leading was, we're going to cross this Jordan River. Well, I've got to trust God. And then one of the very next tasks was going and fighting this, this, this city called Jericho that had this infamous wall that was just this military fortified city that everyone was intimidated and scared of. And God says, hey, go out there with some trumpets and walk around and have a prayer meeting. And at the end, shout, and I'll give you the victory, right? Like, what kind of crazy plan is that? But why could Joshua do that? Why could Joshua step in? Because along the way, somebody had been whispering in his ear. Because along the way, somebody had been saying, hey, remember. Hey, remember what God did? Hey, remember? Remember the, the Amalekites? Remember? Remember when you, were, when you remember when you were fighting Amalek? Remember how God delivered that? Remember what God did? Someone was reminding him of the faithfulness of God over and over again. So it's our job to help remind people of the faithfulness of God and help them see the things that they may not be seeing as God indeed moving in their lives. Show others how God is moving in their life that they may not see as God. Let's go over to Exodus chapter 24. Exodus 24. And let's look at verse 12. It says, then Moses and Aaron, Nadab and Abihu went and, uh, and 70 elders of Israel went up and saw the God of Israel. There was under his feet, as it were, a pavement of sapphire stone like the heaven for clearness. And it did not lay his hands on the chief of the people of Israel. They beheld God and ate and drank. And the Lord said to Moses, come up to me on the mountain and wait here that I may give you tablets of stone with the law and the commandment, which I have written for their instruction. So Moses rose with who? His assistant. What What was his name? Joshua. And Moses went up to the mountain of God. Did you know that when God gave Moses the 10 commandments, when he wrote these things, chiseled them with his own hand, Did you know Joshua was there? Like we always think, you know, Charlton Heston, you know. It's like some of you people is like, what? You know, but if you know, you know, right? It's like every Thanksgiving, right? It's just if you know, you know. But it's like we just thought it was Moses. And we think God and Moses, God and Moses. Yeah, God and Moses, but Joshua was there too. And, And God instructed Moses. He said, bring Joshua along. Let's take Joshua along with you. This is important for you to understand that Moses invited Joshua into the presence of God with him. Mentors must prioritize spending time in the presence of God with those that they're investing in. Yes, your relationship with God is a personal one and it's between you and God, but invite those that God has given you the opportunity to pour into and invest in and mentor into the presence of God with you. 
Invite them to come along. In other words, let them hear you pray. Let them see you open the scriptures. Let them see and invite them along when there's opportunity to do what God has called and created you to do. Let them walk alongside you and be there when you are doing things for the Lord. Let them be there in those moments when you are being vulnerable before God. Worship God together with those that you're pouring into and investing in. Let, you, let, them, let them see how you interact with God and how you trust in him and how you enjoy being in his presence. Be vulnerable with those people. In other words, invite others to join you in your relationship with God. Invite them with you. Like, yes, you are growing in your relationship with God, and that's great, but at the same time, part of your growth and your journey is investing in others. And so as you pursue God, invite others to join you in the journey. It's so important. Explain to them what you're doing and why you're doing it. Take time uh, where you you actually begin to to sit down. I I remember I just had this conversation not too long ago where um, it was a late night and I was tired because I'd just gone with the youth group to Six Flags and it was a hot day, all right? And my son and I were home together and uh, we were sitting on the couch downstairs talking about Six Flags and rides and all this stuff. And he said, Dad, I have a question. And I'm like, okay. And he says, I want to be able to understand the Bible more. I want to be able to understand scripture more. How do I do that? How do I do that? All of a sudden we went from talking about roller coasters and insane heat (laughs) to now we're talking about the scriptures. And we stayed up for another couple of hours just talking about God and just that, that, that opportunity that I began to be able to invest and be, began to share. So invite other people along. Share with them. Show them. Walk with them. And, and if you don't know how to do things, then, then grow in those things. Connect with other people who are a little further along with you. Don't be intimidated by this thing. Because listen, church, if we all just pretend like we all know what's going on and we've all got it together and we know how to do all this stuff and we never ask questions and we never invest in our own personal relationship by being vulnerable, then we're just playing a game. And I don't want us to be a church that just goes through the motions of playing a game, amen? I want us to be a people who has a real relationship with God and who's vulnerable and willing to ask questions, willing to grow, and willing to be vulnerable with others by inviting them to come along with us. And that's what this is about. Just like Moses invited Joshua to come along with him, invite others to join you in your relationship with God. Let's flip over to Numbers 27. Numbers 27, and we're going to read verse 12 through 23. Numbers 27, the Lord said to Moses, go up into this mountain of Abram and see the land that I have given to the people of Israel. When you have seen it, you shall also be gathered to your people as your brother Aaron was because you rebelled against my word in the wilderness of Zin when the congregation quarreled failing to uphold me as holy at the water before their eyes. These are the waters of Meribath and Kadesh in the wilderness of Zen. So if you remember, there was a story where God told Moses to speak to the rock and water would flow. And Moses, out of his frustration with the people, struck the rock 
with his staff. And water still flowed. God still showed himself faithful in the middle of Moses' disobedience because his heart was for his people. But also, Moses' disobedience and his rebellion ended up costing him not being able to fully go into the promised land, but he could see it from afar. And when the scripture uses this word, uh, this wording like you will be like uh, gathered to your people, he's saying you're going to die. Like this is the end. Like he's not saying you're going to go back and have a party. He's like, this is the end for you. So Moses had the gift of knowing that after this is over, like this is it for me. Like this is the last thing he already knew. I mean, what a gift that is to know when you're at the end of your life. And God had said, this is going to be it after you do this. Verse 15, Moses spoke to the Lord and said, let the Lord, the God of the spirits of all flesh, appoint a man over the congregation who shall go out before them and come in before them and who shall lead them out and bring them in that the congregation of the Lord may not be as sheep that have no shepherd. So the Lord said to Moses, take Joshua, the son of Nun, a man in whom is the spirit and lay your hands on him. Make him stand before Eleazar, the priest, and all the congregation, and you shall commission him in their sight. You shall invest him with some of your authority that all the congregation of the people of Israel may obey. And he shall stand before Eleazar, the priest, who shall inquire for him by the judgment of the the Urim before the Lord. And at his word they shall go out, and at his word they shall come in, both he and all the people of Israel with him, the whole congregation." And Moses did as the Lord commanded him. He took Joshua and he made him stand before Eleazar the priest and the whole congregation and he laid his hands on him and commissioned him as the Lord directed him through Moses. Isn't this interesting here now? He knows, Moses knows that he's not getting into the promised land, but he understands something. What you don't hear from Moses in this moment is this isn't fair, right? What you don't hear from Moses is, oh, come on, God, this isn't right. Really, Joshua? I mean, I know Joshua, right? And isn't it also interesting that Moses this whole time didn't know that it was going to be ultimately Joshua who replaced him, but he still kept pouring into him anyways because it wasn't until this moment when God instructed him and said, now it's time. Now it's time. It's time for you to move out and it's time for you to take a step back and it's time for Joshua to lead the rest of the way. Someone who has that spirit of God that he's trusting in, that's leading him. Bring him up in front of all the people. Make this a public thing. Let them know. Say, hey, I'm trusting in the Lord to use Joshua. And then he said, invest your authority in him. So that way when he speaks, they'll listen. Like you need to give some weight to this, Moses. Like you need to make sure the people understand. Like, hey guys, when, when, when Joshua speaks, like follow him. It's like as if I were still leading you. Like he gave that kind of importance and that kind of, of, of weight to Joshua's leadership to set him up to be successful and brought them in front of the whole people. And then the priest comes in and prays over him and commissions him and anoints him as the leader. And here in this moment, you know, Joshua is anointed as the successor and Moses knows that this journey is bigger than him. He knew that Joshua was going to be the one to lead the people the rest of the way to accomplish what they had been working so hard together to do. And sometimes we want to be the one. Sometimes we want to be the one to experience, you know, that marriage restored after we've invested all this time in that couple that we've been mentoring, right? 
We've been pouring all this time, all these late nights, all these texts, all these phone calls, all this time just pouring into them, and we want to be the one to do it, and, and, and then they move on, and someone else gets to be the one who sees that through. And we're kind of like, well, that's not very fair. I'll tell you what drives me nuts as a pastor, I'm just going to be real with you, is when like special guest speakers come into your church and they say something and it's not really even that good. And like the whole congregation thinks it's like the best sermon they've ever heard in their life. That drives me nuts as a pastor. <laughs> I remember one time I had my buddy James who was a, a pastor in Texas and I was pastoring in Arkansas at the time and uh, I was so excited to be able to invite my buddy James to come and speak because I had heard him preach this sermon about mind traps before, like talking about how the enemy has these mind traps. And I said, Pastor James, I said, I want you to come to my church in Arkansas and I want you to preach that mind traps message. I said, man, I said, I'll never forget that message. It was powerful. He said, okay, brother, I'll come and preach it. And I pumped it up like for weeks. I said, Pastor James Ross is coming. Man, am I stoked because he's going to preach this message. Man, I remember hearing this message, you know, four or five years ago. And oh man, it did this and this in my life. And oh, I'm so excited. I had the congregation pumped and then pastor James shows up it's the day the day is here I said you can even like wear your robe and stuff like I want you to just like I want you to bring it I want I want you to preach and I got brother James Ross in my church it was the worst sermon I'd ever heard in my life I was I, 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 I was sitting on the front row like a good example as a pastor you know I had my notebook I had my bible I brought my big bible that day it's just like boom and I'm like, I'm ready just to fill this notepad up. And the only thing I can remember writing is question marks. What is going on? <laughs> James did not preach the sermon I asked him to preach. I don't remember anything he says. All I knew is I can remember how I felt. I was like, going, oh, no. I was so embarrassed because, like, I thought, oh, man, I got my congregation all pumped up about Pastor James coming. And, oh, he didn't preach the sermon. I was hoping he preached. And the sermon he did preach, oh, man, it just, it kind of fell flat. Like, he didn't seem, it didn't even seem like he was prepared. I had congregation members coming up to me, like, hugging me. Pastor, thank you for bringing in Pastor James. That was, like, the best sermon. Man, that was so great. And I'm like, were you in the same room that I, were, you, were we in the same service, you know? And that's what I was saying. And I'll tell you, man. Sometimes it drives you nuts because like you've been preaching something and you've been saying something and somebody else comes along and says something. They're like, well, that's the greatest thing I've ever heard. And you're like, right? And honestly, that's all that is, is pride, right? I mean, that's, that's all that is. That is pride in me and all this stuff because God was using Pastor James in, in an awesome way. And I, I didn't even recognize it because I, I was more focused on myself. And I wanted the congregation to think, oh, wow, Derek's so smart for bringing in James and this great sermon, you know, and all of a sudden it was like, oh. God did something else, and, and, I, and I missed it. It was on me, right? And so at the same time, we do the same thing, right? We say stuff and say stuff and say stuff, maybe to your kids, and then all of a sudden, like, some little kid comes along and says something, or they read some tweet on Twitter, something you've been saying, or they, you know, hear a YouTuber say something, and they're like, oh, this is like the greatest thing ever, and you're like, I've been telling you that for like the past, like, five years, what on earth? And you feel like, what is going on? And it's hard because a lot of times we want the credit and we want the accolades. But listen, listen, that, that's not what we're in this for. And I want us to get this today. All right, church? I want us to understand that's not what we're in this for. So people will go, oh, wow, look at how great of a parent you are. Look at how great of a grandparent you are. Oh, wow, look at how great of a mentor you are. Oh, wow, look how smart you are. Oh, wow, you just said the right thing at the right time. No, you see, I'm investing. And this argument happened between the early church 
where there was Paul the Apostle and there was this other guy named Apollos who was also a really well-known preacher. And so you've got these two like dynamite preachers that when they would go to a town, man, there would be a large crowd that would gather to hear these guys share the gospel. And so you would have these two guys going, people were getting saved. I mean, people were getting saved just by the droves and it was this powerful ministry. And then Paul and Apollos both had a, a ministry where after, after they would preach the gospel, they would begin to baptize all of these people. And some people began to think, oh, because I was baptized by Apollos, like, man, I'm, I'm like special. And people thought, well, I was baptized by like, Paul, so like, I'm special. And then you had this like silly argument within the church. I mean, it's a good thing nothing like that happens today. You know, we don't, we don't do petty today. That was them back then, right? No, you see this petty argument that would happen amongst the church, especially the church in Corinth. And so the apostle Paul writes to the church in Corinth. He said, hey, I heard you guys have been arguing about like who's special because of who baptized you. Like some people say, oh, I was baptized under Paul's baptism. Well, I was baptized under Apollos' baptism. Like, you know, he like does like a special, you know, dunking, you know, and he uses like, you know, filtered water. I don't know. Like, I don't know what he, 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 he has a manicure. I don't know what he... What made it special? But they thought it was more special, right? And Paul says, listen, like sometimes I plant and sometimes Apollos is the one that waters, but like it doesn't matter because it's God who brings the heart changing, brings the increase. And so he's like, who is Paul? Who is Apollos? And it's the same thing that we have to get. It's like, who is Moses, right? We look at these figures in scripture and we're like, wow. And no, they were just someone God happened to use, a servant that God used to help someone move from here to there, to move from one place to another place. And God is the one who gets the glory, not the individual, not the person. So if you invest, if you plant in someone's life and someone else waters and you see life change happen and you see God moving them, great, that's a wonderful story. If you don't get to see it, if maybe that you, 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 you still don't stop praying, you still don't stop interceding, you still don't stop planting and watering, even if you're not seeing the change that you want to see because you can't change people. And if you think you can change people, the only tactic that we have in our arsenal to try to change people is really manipulation, and that's not good. <laughs> so we're not the ones who bring the change, God's the one who brings the change, Amen. Because scripture says out of the heart flows the issues of life. So really it's a heart issue. And so it's our job to invest. It's our job to create the right environment, model the things that we need to model. And in doing so, we will be planting, we will be watering, we will be investing. But at the end of the day, it's God who brings the life change. Amen, church? And so here's our role, and this is our big idea. And I want you to write this down. I want you to share this with your friends on social media. I want you to put it somewhere where you can see it. I want you to write it maybe, maybe on a little note card and put it somewhere like in your mirror or somewhere where you can see it because I want this to be at our core here at BCC. Our role is to build bridges for the next generation to walk across. That's what God has called us to do, amen? God has called us to build bridges for the next generation to walk across. I, I, I want to make sure that what I'm doing is planting and that I'm watering. And that means it's not about my preferences, it's not about my name and lights because sometimes we think this thing is about us and we get caught up in the things that I like and the things that I don't like. When it comes to church, we think it's about the things I like and the things I don't like. I want to be comfortable. I want to be this. And we make all these things about us. But no, no, church, 
We have to catch this vision that Moses understood that he was investing forward. And when he realized that he could only go so far, he was pleased to see Joshua continue because it was bigger than him. It was bigger than him. He wanted to make sure that there was that bridge for that next generation to walk across. Let's go over to Deuteronomy 31 as we finish up this morning. Deuteronomy 31. Some of y'all scared of some of these Old Testament books because there's weird stuff in there. Maybe Deuteronomy is one that you're like, yeah, there's some confusing things in there. And when you're like on a Bible reading plan and it's time to get into Leviticus, you know what I'm talking about. Don't play with me like you're like, Leviticus is my favorite. <laughs> it's tough, man. There's some, there's some tough stuff in there. But Deuteronomy, man, it has, we see all these different things and how God proved himself faithful. And here we go, Deuteronomy chapter 31, verse 7. Then Moses summoned Joshua and said to him in the sight of all, be strong and courageous. For you shall go with this people into the land the Lord has sworn to their fathers to give to them, and you shall put them in possession of it. It's the Lord who goes before you. He will be with you. He will not leave you or forsake you. Do not fear or be dismayed. Isn't this interesting? Because as you open up the book of Joshua, this is the very first thing that the Lord says to Joshua. He says, don't be afraid, Joshua, but be strong and courageous. And here God is using the very words that he's given Moses to share with him as he is about to take this mantle of leading these people. Think about this. I mean, from everyone who left slavery in Egypt, I mean, we're talking about, most scholars say, over a million people here. We're not talking about like a group of 100 buddies. We're talking about like a significant amount of people who had been in slavery for 400 years years to the Egyptians they were liberated God miraculously delivered them from the hand of Pharaoh out of slavery Pharaoh lost his entire workforce Egypt lost their entire workforce of slaves after God miraculously did this and God provided miracle after miracle no matter how rebellious Israel got God kept providing miracle after miracle, but because of all their rebellion, their complaining, their murmuring, because of all this, out of over a million people, only two people were a part of that original group that left Egypt, other than Moses. You know, only two people? Joshua and Caleb. They were the only two that were a part of that original group. They had to be young kids at the time, most likely. I mean, who knows? Maybe they were teenagers. We don't know, the Bible doesn't say. But everyone else died because of their rebellion and their lack of trust in God. But Moses invested. Moses invested. And all these other people went by the wayside. And the generation that actually walked across the Jordan River into the promised land, the generation that actually saw the victory over all of the enemies of the Lord, the generation that actually got to possess the land, they were led by only two guys that had been there when God started this whole thing. The rest of these people had never experienced it before. The rest of these people didn't know about slavery. The rest of these people didn't know about Egypt. The rest of these people didn't know, you see. But there were two guys that did. There were two guys that may have, may have had some memories about those things. And God moved in the lives of those people to take them somewhere they had never been before, but yet the place that he had promised them to. 
you see Moses invested and the next generation crossed over into the promise. None of them other people got to see it. Man, that kind of makes me sad. I don't know about you, but it makes me sad. But at the same time, it also gives me perspective. And it also helps me to remember that getting where we need to go and doing the things that God has called us to do, it's bigger than you and I. Amen, church? It's bigger than you and I. And, and maybe we get to see it. Maybe we get to see it from afar off. Maybe you're discouraged today because you have a child or a grandchild who's far away from God. And you pray for them and you get discouraged and it looks like it's going nowhere. And, 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 and you're, you're like, man, I'm, I, I want to see them come to faith in Christ. I want to see them get their life right before the Lord keep whispering in their ear the faithfulness of God. And maybe you get to see the life change and, and, and maybe you don't. I don't know. I, I can't promise you that. But what I can promise you is that if you keep whispering in their ear, reminding them of the faithfulness of God, you, you, you set that, them on a path, you keep modeling before them, inviting you to come along on the journey with them, that you're going to be planting, you're going to be watering, and then you have to trust God to do what only He can do, and they have to respond to that. Amen? But our role is to invest. Our role is to plant. So if you're discouraged in that situation... I want you to be encouraged today to not give up, to keep praying, to keep investing. If you've been pouring into someone and it seems like that, that man, just when you made a little bit of progress, they take like 10 steps back and you're just like, oh my goodness, oh, oh, I'm so frustrated. Can I encourage you today to not stop investing? Can I encourage you to keep praying for them? Keep pouring into them? Keep showing them the way, keep modeling for them? Maybe, yeah, you speak hard truth to them but you do it in love, you do it because you care about them. Clear that pathway for them to see the goodness of God through all of this because church, our role is to build bridges for the next generation to walk across. And can I tell you that as we begin to build intentional relationships to help reach the post-Christian community in the Quad Cities and the unchurched and we wanna leave a legacy that is stronger, a faith that is stronger, a gospel that is being more lived out, can I tell you there's gonna be a lot of bumps in this road? Can I tell you there's gonna be a lot of discouraging moments? Can I tell you that there's gonna be times that you want to give up and I want you to just keep whispering in their ear the faithfulness of God. I want you to keep whispering in their ear the goodness of God. I want you to keep showing them how God is moving in their life even when they don't see it, just like Moses did for Joshua. And maybe you get a glimpse of it and maybe you don't. Who knows what's gonna happen? but you're setting the runway for a generation to be able to continue on living this gospel message. Amen? We can't do this on our own, so let's ask God for his help. Lord, help us to see your hand involved, God. And we may be tired of lifting our hands. We may be tired of, of trusting in you behind the scenes when it seems like it's just so difficult so, Lord, if people are weary, I pray that you would send them an errand or a herd to help them, to be propped up, to encourage them, to let them know they're not alone because as behind the scenes, they may be trying just to, to help intercede for those people that they've been investing in, the people that they want to see, that child, that grandchild, that niece or nephew, that friend, that brother or sister maybe even those parents, maybe that, that, that person that, that, that's their neighbor that they care about or someone they know who's going through a difficult time. Lord, help our hands to not get weary 
Let us not get weary, Father, when we're, when we're doing what you've called us to do. And Lord, let us keep whispering your faithfulness in their ear, showing them your goodness, that all may come to the knowledge of Jesus Christ and to faith in Christ and the newness of life in Christ. And Lord, may a renewal and a revival, Lord, begin to sweep our land and these cities. And may it start with us, God. May it start in us. May it start here in this community of believers. And may we see eternity influenced in Jesus' name. Amen. Thanks again for tuning in online. Our in-person service times are at 9 and 10.30 a.m. every Sunday. To learn more about BCC, visit us at bettendorfcc.com. Have a great day.